Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I love everybody. Now that is not the only reason that I'm saying that because I'm here on a Friday morning on first take, okay? My girl Molly's in studio. My man Ryan Clark is wherever the hell he's at. Bart Scott is ready to come at me. I'm looking forward to it. But there's a special reason I'm feeling good today. I'm at the University of Iowa, okay? I'm getting ready to do a panel discussion tonight with Mr. Mark Shapiro from William Morris Endeavor and the great Caitlin Clark. But more importantly, I'm sitting here surrounded by these group of outstanding students, one of the best journalism programs in the United States of America, and they have invited moi. You know why, Molly? You know why, Ryan Clark? You know why, Bart Scott? Why? Because TV ain't let a kid hit. TV ain't let a kid hit. He sure does. Say hi, everybody. Say hi, everybody. First takes in the house. Holla. Good day. Welcome to First Take on a Feel Good Friday. We got you covered all over the country. SA in Iowa, RC, wherever he is. Bart and I are here. Bart, I know. Bart and I are here in New York. Good morning, <laughs> gentlemen. House. How we doing? What's up? What's up? What's up? Good How y'all doing? Good morning. Good. It's good to see those students, Stephen you know, A. Absolutely. No, you know what, Stevie A. Love the kids. He sure does. He sure does. You know, Ryan Clark, I see Ryan Clark giving motivational speeches and all of that other stuff past the clock. That's what I want to call him. But I would like to say this. As great as he is, and he is great, it would be nice to see Ryan Clark giving a little bit more energy in the morning. It's real easy to get energy in the afternoon. It's real easy to give it in the evening. What are you? But is he willing to do it in the morning? Really? Is R.C. already catching strays? Like, we haven't even started I mean, he all mellow and everything. I got the kids with me. I got the kids with me. I got to be up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I'm up, you walk. If I'm up, you walk. If I'm up, you walk. I talk. I know. I've been working. I already worked. You but, the one over there talking yeah. about Stevie A love the kids? You slept in. But I'm with the kids. I'm a, but I'm with, no, I was with and I was with started kids. working earlier. I, I, I was with the kids. I was with the kids. I was with the kids. I sure am. And them grown sure people. Am. Those are adults. Those are grown people. I know. I know. I know. We, we got we, we to dead the Stevie A loves the kids line. It's, it's, not, it's not working anymore. I do. I do. I, I know, I know, but those aren't kids. Uh, how about the Bears, though? They didn't look like kids last night. Snapping a 14-game losing streak. Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears put on a first-half show against the Washington Commanders in a 40-20 win at FedEx Field on Thursday. Fields threw for three touchdowns in the opening two quarters to help the Bears to a 27-3 lead to halftime. Justin, how did it feel? Getting a dub after everything that's you know happened this year. You know, everything in the media, everything on the outside. Um, just, just, it just feels good when you can, you can say that the hard work paid off. So again, I'm, I'm proud of everybody in the building. I love everybody on my team, players, coaches, shoot, everybody upstairs. I might not even know them, but I love y'all. Mm, change of tune right there. SA is Fields the long-term solution at quarterback in Chicago. 
Well, listen, there was never a question as to whether or not he could potentially be the long-term solution in Chicago. The question was about the Chicago Bears. It wasn't about Justin Fields. We know that they've been a horrible franchise. They've been moribund. They've been an absolute embarrassment. Had they not won the game last night, they would have been approaching, if not having reached, a full calendar year where they have not won a football game. So I understand that last night was absolutely great. Um, Justin Fields was sensational. DJ Moore is that dude together. If you look at them together, Justin Fields has a perfect pass. Rating, targeting DJ Moore. Yeah. 27 to 34, 531 yards, five touchdowns, not a single interception, also 21 first downs. His relationship with DJ Moore is that special. We get that. We appreciate it. We understand it. But let's understand something here as well. It was one game. The Chicago Bears have stunk. They stink, okay? And the fact is, last night was an aberration. The Washington Commanders, they go up against the Washington Commanders who refuse to show up. If the Chicago Bears continue playing like this and they win more football games, we will change our thinking. But I'm not going to sit up here and act like, oh, my God, with Justin Fields, suddenly this franchise is saved when you lost 14 straight, including nine home games, and you won a full calendar year damn near without winning a single game. It was never Justin Fields' fault totally. We understand his development was being questioned because of who the coach was, who the offensive coordinator was. That hasn't resembled to be the case over the last two weeks. We get that. We appreciate that. They came out aggressive last night, throwing a deep ball on at least three occasions, connecting with DJ Moore at least twice. This is in the first quarter. So we give them their props and their respect and what have you. It was one game. It was nice to see. They reminded us last night they are at, there is actually an NFL team in the city of Chicago. For the first time in a damn year. Congratulations. <laughs> Here's some cookies and milks. If you want that, I'll send it to you. I ain't got no issue with Justin Field. Never have. It's the Chicago Bears organization and not Ryan Poles either because he's not the GM that hired Eberflus and his staff. Okay? I ain't got no issues with him. But the bottom line is it's good to see them play NFL football and remind us that they're capable of doing such a thing. Here's your cookies and milk. <laughs> Love the kids, right? Go ahead, R.C. Why you get a man cookies and I milk? Sure do. It ain't Christmas. Huh? It ain't who eat cookies well, and milk. I, I, I just ate some. You ain't I just, Santa I just Claus? ate some of that the other day. I just You're ate. I, I can be Santa Claus. <laughs> I have been Santa Claus. I have been Santa Claus, actually. I mean, I have. Hey. So this question is about Justin Fields. This is not about the Chicago Bears as a whole. And there were some interesting conversations that arose because Justin Fields has played extremely well in seven of the last eight quarters. But that's not a big enough sample size. That's enough of a sample size to kind of tantalize you, right? Give you a little, give you a little tease, but you don't necessarily know if this is who he could be over an extended period of time, whether in his career or for the Chicago Bears. But what we do know now is that this kid can play through adversity. That this kid can play through the tough times. He can play through bad coaching. He can gain an understanding of himself that what I'm doing in this current state under this current coaching staff isn't working. I have to try something different. And I feel like Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, he tried something different. There was more 12 personnel where there were two tight ends on the field that allowed Cole Komet to be the number two to DJ Moore's number one. There was more double moves that said, okay, Justin Fields, you have this strong arm. Let's push the football down the field. Think about all the called first down runs for the quarterback. We hadn't been seeing that from the Chicago Bears. And so the Chicago Bears took the playbook, whatever they had thought about the entire offseason when they got DJ Moore and saying, we are going to be this. This was not working. So the last two games, they tried something different. 
and it's worked and it's been better. Now, the only question is, how do we continue it? How does it equal wins? Does this mean that the marriage between Ryan Pose and Matt Eberflus, and I guess it's gonna be have to be something like brother husbands because you have to include Justin Fields, does that trio work for this team? Can that trio get this team to the next step that the Chicago Bears have been trying to get through, get to ever since Rex Grossman took him to the Super Bowl and the Indianapolis Colts won? What we saw from Justin Fields is a step forward. Now they have to make sure they don't allow him to take two steps back. More importantly, he can't allow himself to take two steps back. But what we've seen the last two weeks is extremely positive. Okay, so Ryan, you just attacked the schematics of it, right, from a football X's and O's standpoint. Let me attack it from a business standpoint, right, because I don't think the question ever was, was Justin Fields a franchise quarterback? We know that he was a product of a bad environment, right? And when you get picked that high, you usually get picked that high and you're going to a bad situation. And now he's, he's with a regime that's had turnover, a um, general manager that's trying to rebuild this roster. And the question is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right, we haven't seen a big enough sample size. Right. We know that he's a franchise quarterback, but will his timing you know, of when you have to make a decision to pay him $250 million, which is, which is the growing rate that you're going to have to make the you know, decision on in the next year or so, is it worth you know, being able to set down? Do you have enough players to support him and win football games? Because you can have good players on your team, and they made the decision last year because they made the same decision with Raekwon Smith. Raekwon Smith is a great, yeah. maybe the top yeah. two linebacker in his league. But they knew they couldn't yeah. pay him $100 million. Why pay him $100 million where he's going to play well, but we're still going to lose? So now they, they find themselves in a position that the Jets found themselves in when they had to make the decision. Do they try and build around Sam Darnold because he's been in a poor environment, or do you reset the clock on the pay scale and go with Zach Wilson at yeah. number two? They have the ability now to rebuild this team and get players – they're not one player away. They're not two players away. They're two drafts away from a lot of players to try and rebuild this roster with talent. Talent wins in this league. And they just so happen to be in a position that they can maybe have the first and second pick, right? So imagine if they take yeah. that first pick. What does that mean? That means they can get what people consider the best prospect to come out of college football in a long time in Caleb Williams. So now that's the lateral move, right? And now you're resetting your clock, but then they have the number two pick potentially, or another top five Marvin pick that, that people know where people are going. I think where people can move up and say, hey, we want to take Drake May. Somebody's going to climb up and maybe get mm. two first-round draft picks, right? So then if you trade mm. Justin Fields to maybe, let's say, I heard you guys, you said on the last show, trade him potentially to a team like the Atlanta Falcons. That's worth three twos. Those are a lot of talented players that you can fill a roster with and a lot of draft equity where you can slide up and down the board yeah. and also get a lot of money to go out and buy great players that's already proven in this league to surround so, around a talented generational talent like Caleb Williams. So it's not about Justin Fields and his play and can he be a franchise quarterback. The issue is that the, the, the team that you can build around him, if you are handicapped with paying your quarterback 50-plus million dollars a year, could set the franchise right. back, and you still may not have the results you want in winning. And it buys the general for, manager for time, and it buys the head coach time if you get a new quarterback. 
Well, let me tell you something, Bart Scott. You, you, you and Chris Canty, y'all got this issue because y'all are so brilliant with your football acumen and all this other stuff. Y'all talking, y'all try to deny people the opportunity to debate. To debate. You understand what I'm saying? You can't sit up there and run out the damn clock. Okay, don't try that. All right, that's number one. Number two. Number two. Let's get something. Somebody got to tell y'all this. Y'all, y'all try to not leave any wiggle room for them to come back, but I'm gonna come back with that because when you talk about a roster building, right? You're talking about stuff from an organizational standpoint. This organization went out and they got somebody like DJ Moore for Justin Fields. We see how the connection has. DJ Moore already got more more receiving yards through five games than any Bears receiver had the entire last season. So we got to understand what yes. he's bringing to the table, and I get what you're talking about, okay? By the way, 221 or 230 yards receiving was on on hitches or go routes, for crying out loud. So, I mean, what, what do you want us to say? That's a look at the Washington Commanders. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But in the end, I get where you're coming from, Bart. The problem is this. Let's look at the New York Jets. We don't have to get into it. I know we're not getting into it. I just want to bring up the point. Up until last week when we saw Zach Wilson resemble, try to resemble an NFL quarterback, we were lamenting the state of the affairs of the New York Jets strictly because of their quarterback. What y'all have taught me, because I know football because I listen to experts like you two and others, the bottom line is this. We've got a situation where you can have an elite defense. You can have some weapons on offense. The New York Jets got Dalvin Cook, all right? They, they got Brees Hall as well. They got Garrett Wilson as well. And they have an elite yeah. defense. And up until last week, we were saying they were straight garbage because of one reason and one reason only, the quarterback. So ultimately, what we have to do in taking your words into account, Bart, is ask a simple question. How important is the quarterback position? Because if we believe in Justin Fields, then it's about the organization who's making the decisions. If we don't believe in Justin Fields, then it's about getting rid of him, getting some equitable compensation, if not more, and going out there and trying to get Caleb Williams. That's what we're talking about here. It really comes down to that. you got to answer that question, Bart. Try to do it quickly. No, what I'm saying is Caleb Williams is a can't-miss prospect, so we know that he can play. Both can be true. He can be a franchise quarterback, but his time in a bit when we're ready to win as an organization and a program may not time up with the decision to make the money. We know in this league you win with a cheap quarterback being able to go about and, and answer and, and solve problems where, for mistakes that you made, like, like a, a Chase Claypool, right? That allows you to go out. The reason why the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles so stacked is because Jalen Hurst was so cheap for so long. The reason why the Legion of Boom was able to, you know, to, to cover up for Russell Wilson because he was a cheap guy. The reason why the San yeah, Francisco 49ers the can do that, that they could play is because first, Brock Purdy is cheap. Well, we know. Do we think that Caleb Williams they, they, they can't play? They made the decision they could play first. I understand, but do we think that That's Caleb Williams saying, can't Ryan. play? That's what I'm saying, Ryan. That's like passing no, on I'm Andrew Luck. No, I'm not saying Lund. that. I'm not, no, hold on, Bart. Hold on. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if Justin Fields, if we believe in Justin Fields, then we don't need to be looking at whether or not he's a long-term issue. We need to be looking at the personnel. The people making the decisions. Are they the long-term solutions? Is the Ryan Poe the long-term solution? Is Eberflus the long-term solution? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. If Justin yeah, Fields but I think, can ball. Here's the other think, thing is this too, though. Bart's playing chess. He ain't playing checkers, right? Like Bart ain't Bart isn't looking at who they'll be in 2024. Bart's looking at who they could be in 2026. And what he's saying is Justin Fields can be a franchise caliber player. I believe Justin Fields is a franchise caliber player. It just might not be this franchise. And if this franchise does want to reset, maybe you don't want Matt Eberflus anymore. Maybe Ryan Pohl says, I want a more offensive-minded head coach. Yep. And I have a 
other quarterback in Caleb Williams that seems to be on a, on a stage or on a tier of a can't-miss transcendent talent quarterback prospect. Why would I not get him, reset the clock on who we are, who we are from a contract standpoint, build everything around him, and be one of those teams that gets to a Super Bowl with a quarterback on a rookie deal? I get what both of y'all are saying. I get what both of y'all are saying. I'm just simply saying, I'm not even disagreeing with it. I'm just saying it's hard to be presumptuous. It's just hard to be presumptuous with the quarterback position. They make you nervous. There's plenty of quarterbacks we thought would produce, and then they came and stunk up the joint. All right. Can we get to the team we thought that was going to win? The Commanders. So, part owner Magic. Johnson criticized the team on social media after the loss saying tonight the commanders played with no intensity or fire we didn't compete in the first half got down 27-3 heading into halftime it was too big of a hole to climb out of and that is why we ended up losing 40 to 20 RC where do the commanders go from here I don't know but do you know how bad you have to be for Irvin Magic Johnson (laughs) Showtime. To criticize you. You look, you look. The man don't criticize nobody. He's always smiling. He's always happy. And for Irving Magic Johnson to feel some sort of way, this is a problem. Now, what we also have to remember is Josh Harris and the new ownership, they aren't tied in any way to Riverboat Ron. They aren't tied in any way to Jack Del Rio. And so they could be looking for the next head coach to come into the Washington Commanders. And when you hear things like intensity, that's about preparation. That's about the way your coach has you ready to take the field. And this team was not ready. When you look at the inconsistencies as well with the Washington Commanders, how they can be up and high and play well one week and then the next week be a team that's low that's about preparation that's about what you do during the week that's about the way a head coach delegates and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch how these relationships continue to mature especially with Sam Howell at the quarterback position now when you look at who they were defensively this is a team that's playing against the Chicago Bears that until two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos and we know that their buns on defense they, they, they couldn't find a way to get a yard They couldn't find a way to look like an NFL offense. And last night, they scored 27 in the first half. And they score it any way they want to. Quarterback runs, double moves by DJ Moore, all go specials in the red zone. It wasn't even hard. They lose running backs. They lose linemen. And they still keep pushing the football down the field. Keep shoving it down your throat. And so for the Washington Commanders, they're going to have to make a decision. Is this the coach for us? And the second decision is going to be, if this isn't the coach for us, is the coach for us already on our staff as the offensive coordinator for the first year? (laughs) Those are the questions that are going to have to be answered as the year goes along. Um, Let me chime in here because Ryan Clark, uh, Boss Scott, all of y'all, y'all are here for me throughout the NFL season. No matter how brilliant I am in in doing what I do, I learn from brilliant people like yourself. I'll give you credit where credit is due. Thank you so much for the tutelage and the knowledge that you bestow upon me in regards to football. Ryan Clark, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you when it comes to basketball. What you said about Magic Johnson is absolutely, positively not true. That brother will criticize you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, no, no. Magic, (laughs) let me tell you something right now. That brother, Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson will dissect you like a fine tooth comb. No. Oh, trust. Hold on. Magic is my boy. Magic is my, and and, and I worked with him on television. I've, 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 I've talked to him all the time. 
off television. And I'm telling you right now, he has a very, very <laughs> critical eye. And what you saw last night is as easy to him as drinking a bottle of water. It's nothing to him. He <laughs> sees something. He don't like it. He's going to let you know about it. He's That's the way something. he is. Ask, ask the Lakers. Ask the Lakers. That brother tell you straight tell you straight up. He didn't care. You know what I'm saying? That's who he is. So let's get that out the way first. Secondly, let's simplify this. This is about Ron Rivera. A nice man, a man that's been through a lot of adversity over the last few years. We got a lot of love and respect for him. Yes, um, he's been for a coach sure. for a long time. Let's just entertain the reality that it just may, may very well be time for him to go. Now. Eric Bieniemy is not there by accident. He's there to be a head coach. He's had about 15 different interviews, for crying out loud. He still can't get a head coaching job. He wins the Super Bowl in Kansas City. The two losing coordinators get head coaching jobs before him. I yeah. think there's a stat here that I got. For the five seasons Bieniemy was Kansas City's offensive coordinator, the Chiefs scored 294, 95 more points than anybody else, and he still can't get a damn job. Now we got to look at Ron Rivera. I looked this up, guys. Since leading the Carolina Panthers to their Super Bowl appearance following that 15-1 and season in 2015, the man has been a coach every single year and has just one winning season. He's been the coach, a mm. head coach, every single mm. year in the National Football League since 2015. We are now in 2023, approaching 2024, and the man's got one winning season in eight years. Now, that's a problem. That's a problem. There's no yeah. way around that. We're talking about an absence of productivity. We're looking at them right now. Since he became Washington's head coach in 2020, they're 24, 30 and one under him for the 11th worst record in the National Football League. And they have just the one playoff game following the 2020 season. And in terms of Eric Bieniemy, of the nine offensive coordinators in the Super Bowl, beside Eric Bieniemy, five of them are now head coaching jobs. Now, you ready for this, RC? You ready for this, Bart Scott? I didn't talk to Magic about this. I haven't spoken to Magic in months, okay? Love my brother. I warned the Lakers about this years ago, right before he quit. Ask him. Go back and look at the archives. Most before he quit, I looked in the camera and I told the Lakers, y'all messing with the wrong man. This brother will walk on you. I'm telling you right now, what do he do at that season? He walked. Last before the last game, he didn't even tell LeBron and him. Just walked. Said, I'm out, okay? Announced it in the tunnel <laughs> of the Staples Center at the time. What am I saying to you now? <laughs> this quote, this quote that he just gave you, I know this man. He ain't say that by accident. He's saying it because he's looking at Eric Bieniemy, who hasn't become a head coach yet, who he probably feels deserves to be a head coach, and he's looking at Ron Rivera and the job that Ron Rivera has done, and I am making an un no sources, no information. This is just my humble opinion. I believe... Magic Johnson is putting the football world on notice that a change may need to take place if continual yeah. performances like last night took place. And it's not an accident that Eric Bieniemy, who, by the way, has Sam Howell as his quarterback, who threw for 388 yards last night, in case we forgot. That man, Eric Bieniemy, is right there to take over the reins. It ain't a coincidence to me, is all I'm saying. Ron Rivera in trouble. Listen, context matters. And listen, I, I'm all for Eric the Enemy uh, getting a, a, a job. And, you know, he deserves one. But I can't put this all 
on Ryan Rivera, right? You know, we, we, me and RC have all been part of these type of performances. You play a divisional rival and you lose a heartbreaker and you're on a short week where you can't really make adjustments, you really can't practice, and you look at the opponent that you're facing, you're like, oh, these, these barbecue chicken. We're going to just lay our jock straps out there and we're going to walk all <laughs> over the team because they suck. And then you play them and you're not familiar with them. You're like, oh, they better than they you. They, they, they better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, they look like they suck on the, on the field, right? Yeah. And then, like, Justin Fields yeah. can't play. He's throwing pick six. I'm going to get my Pro Bowl votes up, right? And then they come out and they punch you in the mouth because they're playing with desperation because their back's against the wall. Yeah. And they've been getting criticized for two weeks. And you're like, how the hell did we lose to these dudes? And it's because their back was against the wall and they played with that level of desperation and you looked at them like you were better than them, like, oh, we should beat them. We all do this. We look at the schedule, win, loss, win, loss. And then what happens is they come out and, and this is yeah. not the team that you scouted. This ain't the team that you looked at. It's like Cinderella Man. Yo, you beat them easy last time. Yeah, I know, but this ain't the same man. Right? And, and Riverboat okay. Brian has inherited the worst-ran organization in sports. So mm -hmm. I think we yeah. have to put in context. Yeah. I would love to see Eric the Enemy out right. there yeah. with the Chargers because it was a dysfunctional well, well, place, and it's not because of Riverboat Run. Boy, took Scott, the air out, took uh, the air. We, got, we, got, we got to go to break. We got to go to break. We got to go to break. <laughs> Molly is feeling a little bit under the weather. She'll feel better. That's, you know, she, she's, a, she's a rough rider. She's tough. She'll, be a, she'll feel a bit better. But until then, Stephen A. is officially taking over first I take. We got to go to break, okay? Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Have you ridden an electric bike yet? Well, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to more exploring time outside on their bikes. So they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range for up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to First Take. Let me tell y'all something right now. Let me tell y'all something right now. Molly is not feeling well. She had to step away. That means I'm hosting stuff for the time being. Let me give y'all the rules, Bart Scott Ryan Clark. I am the boss. You speak when I say you speak, and you <laughs> cut it when I say you cut it. Now, RC, you can speak, but no sermons. Bart
want I don't want no dis- I don't want any dissertations. Make your point and make sure that you're ready to cut it when I say cut it. Those are the rules now that I'm the boss. I'm the boss here, okay? Now, we got some cowboys footage to show you. Roll that tape, please. There we go right there. You see what game's coming up. We got the Cowboys going up against the 49ers this weekend. Big time game. Biggest game of the year. We can't wait. Evidently, Dak Prescott can't wait either. He's got some things to say. Let's hear what he's got to say. This game's got a a lot of good that can come from. It means more than just one game um, from a team that's been consistent in the past few years, knocked us out of the playoffs in the last two years. Um, There's a lot that we can gain from this win um, that makes it definitely more than just one game. But at the end of the day, we know we're confident as hell in who we are and what we've got and what we can bring to the table and where this team is and where this team has grown in the past couple of years. So uh, excited as hell for the matchup. Now remember, I want concise answers to these questions, okay? Assuming a miracle happens and the Dallas Cowboys actually win this game. <laughs> actually win this game. Okay, please. All right. Would they would that make them the team to beat in the NFC, fellas? Bart Scott, we'll start with you. Well, no, I don't think that makes them the team to beat, but I think this game is so much more important to Dallas than it is San Francisco because sometimes you play teams and you just feel like they got your number. And it seems like the way that the San Francisco uh, 49ers go about business, that they have the Dallas Cowboys number because everything the Dallas Cowboys want to be, the 49ers are, and they do it slightly better. Now, the difference is supposed to be one has a franchise quarterback and another one has Mr. Irrelevant at $900,000. But when you take a closer look at that, the guy with, with, that, that makes $900,000 has a higher floor. Dak has a higher ceiling. Dak has to do more and required to do more to win than, than Brock Purdy because the roster is so well, like we talk about, cheap quarterback, more weapons. He got more of those dudes on that side of the offensive side of the ball than Dak Prescott has, but Dak Prescott is supposed to be the franchise-caliber quarterback, and he's been falling short. So it's important to know and Dak to know that he can come up in a big moment in a hostile environment and rise to the occasion. Because so often when he goes against guys like Rodgers, he went against guys like Tom Brady, he falls short. I need you to pause. I need you to pause. I asked a question. Are the Cowboys the team to beat if they win this game? No. I haven't heard a definitive answer no. from you. I haven't heard that. Okay, okay. Go ahead. You make it to you. Oh, you make it to you. Hey, hey, Stephen A. Stephen A. My you reading are the host is now. The host does not get to interrupt the guest analyst. That's not the way it works. You don't get to be Molly and Stephen A. You got to pick one. So while you're being Molly, while you're being the host, you got to let us talk. And then, when it's your turn to be Stephen A, here's what's good about the show. I actually host a TV show. I got a bunch of them. So I know, too. Continue, Bart. I thank know that that may cut thank, you off. Thank, you answer thank your you, question thank you. how you answer your oh, question. Oh, oh, now he's back. Now he's back. Thank you. Welcome back, Molly. Uh, thank you. Welcome back, I, I don't, Molly. I don't think Welcome they're the team back. to beat because Welcome I back. think that the 49ers <laughs> believe that they can go into, into, into Dallas and go on the road and beat them because they've done it. So, you know, what this is about is can Dallas feel like they can go in a hostile environment and win? And I think the answer is no, because I think the 49ers are slightly better. And I think Dak, you know, especially if they're going to hold Dak back and talk about play safe football, that's not a recipe for success. And you don't pay a guy $45 million to be that guy. You pay Brock Purdy to be that guy. Is that good enough, Stephen A.? Well, so first off, 
Yeah. First off, I don't think it makes them the team to beat because they're still the Philadelphia Eagles, not only in Detroit the NFC, Lions. but in the NFC East. They, you know, that team is still undefeated. The Detroit Lions are playing better ball right now. And also, Dak Prescott has actually played well against the San Francisco 49ers during the season. He just hasn't performed in the playoffs against this team. So is it the stage or is it the team? And so I don't necessarily think you you get that from this game. What you do get, though, is Dak Prescott being able to rise to the occasion. What you are looking for is Dak Prescott to protect the football, Dak Prescott to execute in the red zone. You're looking at this defense that was absolutely pummeled by the Arizona Cardinals in the run game with physicality, with James Conner and Josh Dobbs, to be able to stand up to Christian McCaffrey, who right now, to me, is the best running back in all of football. Now, here is where I push back against Bart. Bart says that Brock Purdy has a higher floor than Dak Prescott. That's cap. Because when Dak Prescott got into the league and when Dak Prescott was the quarterback and Ezekiel Elliott was in his prime in his rookie year, Dak Prescott was 12-4. and four. Dak Prescott took over a team for a guy in Tony Romo who went to the exact same college that Jimmy Garoppolo played for, who was what who Brock Purdy took over for. When he took over for him, taking over for somebody in Dallas who was the linchpin, who was the franchise quarterback, who was the guy they depended on, Dak Prescott was a Pro Bowl player. Brock Purdy ain't asked to do half the stuff that Dak Prescott does. And what he's asked to do, he does well. Brock Purdy processes. Brock Purdy anticipates. Brock Purdy gets the football out of his hands. Brock Purdy makes sure that Debo Samuel can get it behind the line, can get it 10 yards in front of the line, and get yards after the catch. That, that, that when George Kittle is on the crosser, he puts the football in his hands. Christian McCaffrey on the swing route. Christian McCaffrey on the option. Christian McCaffrey on the screen. Brandon Ayuk, great route running 15 yards down the field in the intermediate part of the field making plays. He does all of those things. Dak Prescott is asked to do more. Dak Prescott should be able to do more. Dak Prescott sure as hell better do more this week. This Our isn't about lost one what game. it says about the Dallas Cowboys. It isn't about what Dallas, but, but Brock Purdy, what this win would say about the Dallas Cowboys or may, whether or not it makes them the team to beat in the NFC. This is a game that they have to play well, that they have to win for their locker room. And that's what this is about. Right. Well, let me tell you something, RC. I appreciate that breakdown, but I think there's something that you're missing here. And that's and, and even What's though it's going to sound like I'm trolling them, I'm actually being very serious about this. There's a legitimate argument that can be made that this is such a key game to the Dallas Cowboys because it shows that it may be further proof that they're just allergic to prosperity. Let's take into account what transpired last year. Last year, this was the number one team with their red zone offense. 56, 40 touchdowns, all right, 40 touchdowns and 56 trips in the red zone. That's a 71% completion, complete, you know, uh, effect, effectiveness, 71%. That was first in the National Football League. What are they right now, RC and Bart Scott? They're 30th, 30th in the red zone. Seven touchdowns in 19 yeah, trips. Great. They went from 71%. To 37%. So really what you want to make an argument, you want to support Dak Prescott with an argument? How about transitioning from Dak Prescott to Mike McCarthy? Because it's Mike McCarthy that wanted Kellen Moore gone. It was the Dallas Cowboys that were averaging 29 points a game last year. It was the Dallas Cowboys that was number one in red zone efficiency. It was the Dallas Cowboys that were doing their things offensively. And it was Mike McCarthy getting Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones to co-sign on the notion that Kellen Moore was so interested in just putting up points that was compromising the effectiveness and efficiency of the defense because it wasn't giving them enough rest. It wasn't spelling for them. Well, okay, now you've addressed that. So you're running the football a little bit more. 
more. You're throwing it a little bit less. And as a result, the defense is rested. They seem augmented. They seem vicious, okay, and elite. So the defense is there even without Trayvon Diggs. God bless him, and we hope he gets well soon. But offensively, yes. what are you doing when your opportunities present themselves? It's nothing compared to what you did last year. And if the Dallas Cowboys end up showing that yet again, if they're moving the ball down the field, but they get into the red zone and they can't close the deal against San Francisco, and it's another nail-biter, okay, but San Francisco walks out, walks out victorious. And we look at the Philadelphia Eagles down the line, and that appears to be the same thing. And the Detroit Lions are creeping up, and then a playoff comes, and the Dallas Cowboys yet again find a way to not get it done. And we're able to point to a lack of efficiency on the offensive side of the ball when you wanted these changes, then excuse me, we're going to look at Dak Prescott because inevitably the moment will arrive where he's going to have to step up and show what he's capable of, but we can't let Mike McCarthy off the hook either. That's the best thing Dak Prescott has going for him, Mike McCarthy, because if it doesn't work out, we'll be able to look at Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy is the one that wanted these changes, and Dak Prescott will be able to say, yo, the year before, we were number one and we were flowing, and y'all wanted these changes. We did it, and look where it got us. So it's about Mike McCarthy. It's the best argument you can make for Dak Prescott. Outside of that, it's on him because moments matter. You're being paid. You're the quarterback for the star. You got to get it done. I'll wrap it up with this. Yeah. Dak has an 81 QBR versus the Niners in the regular season, a 41 QBR in the playoffs. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Now I want to get to the uh, Bart Scott RC Bowl that's happening yeah. this weekend. Raven Steelers. It's a I'm rivalry for the ages. The latest installment Sunday as Lamar Jackson looks to put on a show. The Ravens and Steelers have split their last 42 matchups dating all the way back to 03. The last six meetings have been decided by five or fewer points with Pittsburgh winning five of those games. All right, Bart, tell me this. What makes this the most fierce rivalry in the NFL? But you have two teams that are carbon copies of each other with the same belief about how winning is done. You talk about the physicality. You talk about the, 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 the names. You talk about the, the, the legacy, right? When you play this game, you don't play for the fans. 
You play for the alumni. You, you play so that you can be a Raven, right? And you hear Raekwon Smith talking about until you beat the Steelers, you are not a Raven. And it is a physical consequence to play when you play in this game. This is a double chin strap yeah. game. You leave less yeah. of a human being after these games, whether you win it or lose it. These are the games where there are physical and mental consequences. You talk about football played at its highest level. You talk about chess, not checkers. You talk about football acumen. You talk about personalities. You talk about professionalism. You talk about Hall of Famers. You talk about Super Bowls. That's why this is the best rivalry in football, and it ain't even close. The most physical team wins, and both teams are physical. You will not be disappointed. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback, no matter who's at linebacker, no matter who's at safety. You cannot miss this game because it's going to be played with passion and a sense of urgency. You think it's the damn Super Bowl with the effort that you get on these types of games. Can I I say this real quick before Ryan chimes in? Because this is really about y'all and not me. I will say this, though. You know, it really would help if – you looked at it and you saw an even matchup. The reality is coming into this game, based on the way the Steelers have looked, I understand the history of AFC North competition. Please don't get me wrong. And I understand the history of the Steelers. I'm still a fan. The history of the Steelers-Ravens rivalry speaks for itself. My problem is RC articulated it several times this week. I have as well. You know, the the Steelers need to make change. Where the hell is that change that Mike Tomlin promised us? I understand it's one thing to score seven points in the opener against the San Francisco 49ers. It's another thing to score six points against the Houston Texans. Now, the Houston Texans are on a come up. CJ Stroud love them. D'Amico Ryans love them. But the fact of the matter is they got punked last week. That's a real embarrassment. And I got a quarterback that's completed 60% of his passes, that's got as many interceptions as touchdowns, both four. And I got a, a running game that's virtually non-existent because an offensive line that forgot how to block. I got receivers either getting hurt or you know what you got a quarterback that can't get him the damn football it is bad and to me when I look at the Steelers it's an incredible disappointment and that level of loyalty that got Mike Tomlin holding on to Matt Canada is really inexplicable to me it has to be addressed because I believe the man has to go he's had three years to be an offensive coordinator and show what he can do and he's gotten worse not better so everything that Bart Scott said about this rivalry is absolutely true there, there were a couple of things you look at when you got a schedule. <clears throat> you looked for your bye week. You looked to see what primetime games you had. And if you played for the Steelers or the Ravens, you wanted to know who you played the next week. Because you knew the team you played the next week would have a physical advantage against you. Because the way that you were beat up that night, because it was a primetime game, the way that you would get beat up that night against the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you were one of those teams, was not even on the same level as playing three other games against three other teams on the same day because it was that important. And when you walked out and you looked across the sideline, everything felt like a carbon copy. You know, we felt like we had great linebackers. They had great linebackers. We knew Holodi Nata was going to be the linchpin of that defensive line, and they knew that Casey Hampton would be a Movable. We knew that Ed Reed was going to make plays and Troy Palomalu was going to come right behind him and make plays. We knew that we had two coaches that when they looked across at one another, they saw another guy who was going to one day have a gold jacket. That junk ain't the same no more. Now when Lamar Jackson walks out, we see an MVP and a guy that's possible to win another MVP and that's probably going to win a Super Bowl. We ain't got that. And our guy. Now when they walk out on the other side, they got Todd Munkin and they feel like they can do all kinds of things and we can't. 
This ain't the same rivalry, and we have to be honest about that, and it's because the Pittsburgh Steelers ain't the same team. But it's flipped before, right? Because you guys have been Roethlisberger. We had Kyle Bowler, right? But it don't matter. It's not the best team. It's the toughest team. And that's why it's the equal linchpin because you don't always have the best quarterback. It's but we're just flipped that we got toughness, the franchise Bart. quarterback. But we're questioning yeah. the toughness, Bart. That's the problem. I get what you're saying about the quarterback, and I understand that. But you're looking at the, at the skill position. I'm talking about what your original argument was and what it personified. It's the toughness. And we didn't see that from the Pittsburgh Steelers on several occasions on both sides of the football already this season. That's the problem. And that's why Mike Tomlin went in that postgame conference saying the things that he said. It wasn't that they lost. It's that it's an absence of toughness. Good to be a Raven. You're repping with the purple today? Yeah. <laughs> All day. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> oh, I Shut love up, this. I love it. You get acid reflux this week, Brian. Shut up, Bart. Oh, my God. You guys are hilarious. The Ravens are favored by four. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups, sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or you just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up, power your buys, your tries the right way, or de-stress with a little cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is always a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by categories like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day's May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Thanks so much for listening to the pod and have a fabulous day. All right, time for sportsbook predictions. Bart, should we grease some pockets? What do you think? Absolutely. Let's put some cheese on the taco. All right, let's do it. Uh, Will Tua pass for more or less than 277.5 yards against my Giants? Absolutely. Wink Martindale dreams are become nightmares as you talk about. They got two problems, speed and yak. And, you know, you talk about the hamstring helper out there. It's going to be hot. The, the Giants are going to be in there blue. They're going to be dehydrated by the second, uh, second quarter trying to keep up with this track team. All right, let's get into Taylor's. No oh, sorry, Stephen A. Go ahead. My bad. I said I have no reason to disagree. Continue. Okay, let's get into uh, Taylor Swift's boo over here, Bart. Oh. <laughs> Will Travis Kelsey have more or less than 72 and a half receiving yards against the Vikes? Hey, as sure as day turns tonight, absolutely he's going to have over 70 whatever yards you're talking about because they're going against the Vikings. The Vikings are struggling. The Vikings are teetering on the, on, on the, on the cusp of losing their season. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, the best player in football, number one guy is going to eat, eat often. 
I'm so surprised. We're talking about the Vikings. I'm so surprised. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Let's get into Mr. Smooth. Will Jalen Hurts pass for more or less than 242 and a half yards against the Rams? I think I think less, right? Because I think he's going to be getting the ball out of his hands quick. He's going against Aaron Donald, but also Cooper Cup coming back with um, Nakua, uh, Puka Nakua. I mean, I think I think they play keep away. They move the chains. You know, the Rams we thought were all in a missed season, but they actually played and have shown up in every game and been in every game. And they're, they're a lot better than we thought. I think Matthew Stafford rises up to the occasion. I think they fall short, but I think they contain Jalen Hurts. And it's more about DeAndre Swift running the ball and, and moving the chains. S.A., wasn't Puka Nakua Mad Dogs MVP? Yes, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah, and he I was talking so. about this, this guy, Halen Hill, in the 50s, playing for the Chicago Bears and what he did. But D.J. Moore is making those comparisons. So actually, the thing that the, the analogy that Mad Dog Russo brought up on Wednesday actually was spot on. Some people would say it's outdated, but historically, it was spot on. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll leave it there.